Maggie. We're going to dedicate her to the Lord, and we are so honored to do so and glad to have the grandparents and all the family and this church that could host and witness this event. If you could turn your attention with me to the word of the Lord, we're going to go to the book of Psalm chapter 127, and we're going to begin reading with verse number 3. Psalm 127 and verse 3. Bible says, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them, they shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Amen. I want to take for a subject today, arrows in your hand. Arrows in your hand. Lord bless you as you're seated today. Now while I will be directing some comments toward Brother Blake and Sister Paige, seeing as they are the parents that would be dedicating this precious baby unto the Lord, I do believe that we could all glean from what I'm going to be speaking about today because I don't believe we should ever stop learning and improving. If you've got it figured out, please come tell me because I need some advice. We can all learn and increase and, and grow in God in our application and our walk with God. It's an honor today to be able to dedicate this baby under the Lord, but I want to remind the parents and I want to remind this church that a dedication is not an act of salvation. It is an external display of an inward desire. We're telling the Lord, these parents are telling the Lord today, Lord, you have blessed us with this baby and we are stewards of this baby. We don't own this baby we're stewards, and we're returning this child to you. It's a display of a desire. I read recently about an, an article about a priest in Arizona of a, of a denomination that practices infant baptisms, and they discredited 20 years' worth of baptisms because the priest used the word we baptize instead of I baptize. And they had sent out letters or were sending out letters to all of these people to tell them that their salvation was not valid because of a mix-up in words. Now, we still preach the Acts 2.38 message. And we still declare and believe that when a person is of an age to respond to the beckoning of the Spirit, that they can receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And, and when they so desire, they can be baptized in Jesus' name. And, and that is the salvation process. This is simply a dedication, an act of dedication. Uh, it, it, it's, it's likened to that of Hannah. When she prayed for a child, insomuch that the Eli, the priest, thought she was drunk. 
And she said, no, sir, not drunk. I want a child. And she said, if the Lord would give me a child, I'll return it unto the Lord. That was an act of dedication. Now, she literally brought that child and returned it to the house of the Lord. But what we're doing today is symbolic. There's many notable women and children, such as Hannah with Samuel, who prayed and God heard. And what about Jochebed with Moses, who was able to instill in that child everything that that child needed and place that child in the house of Pharaoh, but that Moses knew whose he was. He knew he was not an, an Egyptian. He understood because of parents that, that raised him. But what about Mary, who had the great responsibility, uh, unbeknownst to her, the, the fullness of who she had at her table every day, but her and Joseph had to, had to raise, praise the Lord, had to raise Jesus, even though he was the fullness of God still had to raise him in the right manner. Our scripture today says that children, as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of the youth. Scripture likens children as arrows because arrows will only fly in the direction that they're pointed. Children are not born pointing towards the Lord because they've got that old carnal nature. They've got that, that attitude, and you see it as those children develop. You see that carnal nature express itself as they learn to want and whine, and, and, and you have to use some discipline. What you're doing when you use discipline, in whatever form that you choose to use it, is you're trying to turn that arrow. Peter said it's an untoward generation. They're not going towards God. And so every time you, you counsel and you discipline, you're turning that arrow in the right direction. You can tell children that haven't been turned in the right direction. It doesn't take long to see how much discipline has been given to some children because that nature is a rebellious nature. And Brother Blake and Sister Paige, I know you've already had Mabry. And this precious baby, you look at her and you go, how could she ever do anything wrong? I've had four girls. But trust me. They'll figure out a way to do something wrong because that arrow is not pointing towards God. That arrow was pointing towards that carnal flesh and the, and the ways of the world. And the day's going to come where they're going to do something and say something and you're just going to go, stop acting like your mother <laughs> or stop acting like your father. You know, when they're good, they act like my wife. When they're bad, they act like me. But it's that nature that's rising up in them, that arrow that's wanting to go back towards the way of the world. And it takes, it takes a mother and a father that are living for God, 
that will shape and turn those arrows in the right direction. Now, Brother Greg, if you could put on the screen the book of 2 Kings chapter 13. We're going to begin reading in verse number 14. He's coming. Now Elisha was fallen sick of his sickness whereof he died. And Joash, the king of Israel, came down unto him and wept over his face and said, O my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And Elisha said unto him, Take bow and arrows. And he took unto him bow and arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, Put thine hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon it. And Elisha put his hands upon the king's hands and opened the window eastward and he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot, and he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria, for thou shalt smite the Syrians in Aphek till they have consumed them. Here's what I want you to understand. Here was Joash who had the strength to pull the arrow. But he had to have someone put his hands on him and give him the right direction. And the day's going to come when your strength is going to fade and you're going to have children as they're coming up that they're going to have passion and they're going to have ambition and they're going to have gifts and they're going to have talent. They can pull the arrow back, but they've got to have hands on them that can guide that arrow in the right direction. And parents, that's our responsibility. There's, there's some people, I just don't agree with this new generation. Well, listen, the new generation has the zeal and the passion and the strength, but they need that older generation that won't throw in the towel, that'll put their hands on that on their hands and just give them the direction that they need. And Brother Blake and Sister Paige, that's what God has entrusted you with, is to put your hands on the arrow and make sure that arrow is pointing in the right direction. So, my question today, parents, not just for Brother Blake and Sister Paige, but what, what direction are your arrows pointing? What about your children? What about your family? Because naturally, if left unattended, they're going to revert back to the world. That's the default mode. They're going to go back to the world. And it takes parents that can shift those arrows in the right direction. Now, the first way, first direction you better point those arrows as you better point them to the house of God. They better know that this is the safest place on earth is the house of the Lord. Now, I, I don't want to divulge or, or share any anything that's confidential. I don't think I would. I didn't get a chance to ask for the Blake, but, but I'm going to. So anyhow, but here's what's so amazing about this precious little baby. And I went back and looked in my text messages to make sure I had my dates correct. 
Several years ago, Brother Blake and Sister Paige were, were, felt like it was time to have a child, yet it wasn't happening according to their plan. And so on December the 3rd, I told them we had a baby dedication that day, and they were next door. And I texted them, and I said, I want you all to come over here by faith, and I want you to dedicate that baby that God's going to give you to the Lord. And so they slipped in here when it was about time to dedicate that baby. And they came over there, and it was all an act of faith. And I remember a few months later, I could take you to where I was standing at my house when Brother Blake called me and I saw his number, and the Lord spoke to me and said, I gave them their child. And so this is the second time that they're going to dedicate this baby to the Lord. The first time was by faith. And the second time is they're holding this. So you can't tell me prayer don't work. You can't tell me faith doesn't work. It works. But, but you better make sure that baby knows that you can always go to the house of the Lord. Listen, there's so many other things that are vying for those children's attention. I mean, bombarded every day with things just wanting them. Point that arrow here. Point that arrow here. And this is why I'm such a firm believer in putting church first. First. It's because I want that arrow pointing at the house of God. Now, watch this. You got to listen to me, parents. We don't preach legalism. We preach love. Legalism is religion. Love is relationship. If, if all we do is preach rules to children, and, and, and they put the check mark here, and, and you got to do this here, and that's legalism. And God did not intend for this to be legalistic. God wants relationship. And we teach them that we do this because we love God. All right? Now, if you remember, every year when Hannah went back to that temple, what did she bring? She brought a new coat. Now, you, I'm a parent. I didn't understand this when I was a kid, but I understand it when I'm a parent. Me and my brothers, we, we grew so fast. And we'd go buy clothes, and it was, event, it was an event to go get to buy clothes for us. And I hated it because you had to, my mom had to come and do the, the shake the britches, see how much room you had. And this is what I didn't like. She always bought them big. Like I was wearing my older brother's clothes. But what she knew was that you're going to grow into this. Oh, I'm fixing to use a good point on y'all now. Do you think that Hannah brought Samuel a coat that fit? No, why? It had to last him a year. So she gave him room to grow. What does scripture say? Scripture says, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. When you're dealing with children and living for God, you can't be legalistic. You've got to give them grace to grow in God. 
They're going to make mistakes. They're going to do things they shouldn't do. But they need to know that when I mess up, I'm not expelled from the house of God. I come to the house of God. I find forgiveness in the house of God. Oh, that was a good one. Well, I've seen parents run children away from the house of God because they hit them over the head when they messed up. You can't do that. You've got to give them room to grow because you're still making mistakes. I mean, if we just expelled everybody that messed up, nobody be in here. We all mess up. You grow in, what is grace? Grace is room to grow. It's buying the clothes too big because you're going to grow into it. Hey, you should be doing better now living for God than you were when you got in church. You know how? Because God gave you grace. House, I want, I want children. Listen, I know. I've got four girls. I know the challenge of letting them do things on their own and be involved but still maintaining that passion for the house of God. God has to be first. I believe that God called us to separation, not isolation. Okay? How can you win them if you're never around them? You got to, let me tell you this, if you're never around lost people, you're not going to win anybody. Jesus never isolated himself unless the Spirit led him such as to the wilderness. But he never compromised his separation from the world. And we can be in the world but not of the world. We can influence people. It's about balance. It's about making sure the world is not getting more of our time than God is getting. Okay? And we have to teach this to children. It's not their default nature. So you got to point them to the house of God. You need to point them to a prayer room. They're not going to want to go to the prayer room. you got to point them. I remember growing up, the prayer room was our old church, such as what, what the Rock Church would have been. We had an old fellowship hall like that. And I, I mean, there are things burned into my memory about that prayer room. My, my dad was a backslider, so my mama brought all three of us to church. And my, I have a, a brother a year and a half older than me and a brother a year and a half younger than me. I was too young to be the boss and too old to be the baby. I was stuck right in the middle. And so we'd go to that prayer room, but we'd get in church and... If we got to acting up, we sat on the fifth row. If we got to acting up, my mom would get on to us. If that didn't work, she brought us up to the front. It didn't matter what time of service it was. You was going to get prayed for by the pastor, so you'd start acting right. If that didn't work, we'd go back to the prayer room, but we wasn't going to pray. And I still remember watching the shadow of her hand come down against that wall. There's a lot of memories in a prayer room in my mind. And it does my heart good when I go in this prayer room and I see young children and young people. 
I mean, where was no room in that prayer room tonight? You know what that tells me? That arrows are pointing to the prayer room. And if they can just understand that that's where the spirit is, that's where the fire is, we've got to point them to a prayer room. It's not, they're not, hey, young people don't want to go to the prayer room. It's not cool to go to the prayer room. But you've got to teach them that. I'll tell you where else you've got to point them. You've got to point them to an altar. Got to point them to an altar. I made up my mind years ago, thankful for a mother. And, love, and my dad too. My dad always, my dad prayed back through and, and, and raised us in church. But I made up my mind. I was going to the altar every time. I don't care what they preached on. I was going to the altar because it was about the direction I was pointing. I wanted to always make sure that the altar was in my life. I worry about parents who don't come to the altar that often. Because you know what that tells me? That they're going to have children that don't go to the altar that often. Because those children are going to follow where those parents are pointing. If you want your child to be a giver, you got to show them to give. If you want them to be faithful to the house of God, you got to be in the house of God. If you want them to be in that altar, you got to be in the altar. You, I, I read years ago about vocabulary. Children learn how to speak by what they see and what they hear. They develop their own vocabulary. And because I love my children, I don't hold up a bottle of water in their formative years and go, do you want a cheeseburger? You know why? Because what they're seeing is not matching what I'm saying. And the reason that you have children that don't know how to live for God is because what they saw did not match what their parents said. And so the vocabulary got messed up in their mind. Don't just tell them what to do. You got to show them what to do. You got to show them how to live for God. Brother Blake and Sister Paige, it falls upon you with this precious baby to teach her how to live for God. You're doing a wonderful job with Sister Mabry. There's going to come a day when that wheel is going to start rising in them. You, it's unpredictable. I remember when, when Sadie, and I wouldn't pick on her. I mean, she would laugh at it now. But I remember when she was probably Mabry's age, maybe a little bit older, old enough to know what she was doing. And she said something, and I wanted her to say, yes, sir. She did something. I was getting on her, and I said, yes, sir. And she just stood there and would not say it. And at first I thought, mm, I'll give her the benefit of the doubt. She would not say it. And I had a whole lot more patience than she had. And we went to town sitting and I sat in that chair. I don't know how long. We sat there a long time. But I wasn't, it wasn't about the yes, sir. 
It was about the wheel that was rising up at that time. To some people, wouldn't have been a big deal. But I like to win. I was going to win. It was about breaking that wheel. It was about pointing that arrow in the right direction. Arrows. God has trusted this precious family. One of the hardest things they say about children is letting go. But I'll say this. It's probably just as hard to make sure it's going in the right direction. Because that takes a lifetime of raising those children to make sure that arrow's pointing where it needs to be pointing. The Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. Now listen, this is not a promise. It's a principle. A lot of people say, well, I did my part, and God's not doing his part. That's not true. It's not true. This is not a promise. It's a principle that if you'll do your part, then it's off of your shoulders, and it's in that child and what they're going to do with what you have put in their life. Amen. Stand with me right now. I want to close with this poem before I ask Brother Blake and Sister Paige and the family to come forward. Simply reads, with an arrow you should always know when to hold on tight until the time is right or when you should let go. With your children you must freely choose when you should hold them near or when in spite of fear you have to turn them loose. Gone too quickly, they must, they must face the gale without the skills they need to meet a crisis deep where they may try and fail. All too sudden, they are at your side, afraid to try once more. With dangers at the door, their victories denied. Could it be true lingering long enough until ambition wears away and they are tempted not to stay, convinced the way's too rough? The best result when the time is right, release they make a start, achieve their goals, and play their part until you're out of sight. It's in your hands. You're in control. Pull tight the cord until to let it go you feel, for you're the guardian of the soul. You're the guardians of the soul. It's not just a body. It's a soul. And that soul one day is going to have an eternity. And that eternity is going to be largely chosen by the direction that you point that arrow in the future. It's hard for me to look at little children and realize that one day, should the Lord tarry, they're going to reach the age of accountability. And they are going to have an eternal destination that they choose. Let me tell you, parents, it falls upon us to make sure we help them choose the right eternity, the right destination, arrows in your hands. I want to ask as our musicians come, I want to ask Brother Blake and Sister Paige, any family that want to come, we want to invite you to the front. And I want to pray over this baby, dedicating her to the Lord would you lift your hands, church, and stretch it towards this family at this time?
for your word. Thank you for this precious family. God, we rejoice for what you are doing in their family and in their life. Lord, I pray also for every parent here that they would hear the word, that they would heed the word. And Lord, that we would make sure that, that, that our arrows are pointing in the right direction. Lord, no greater joy, no greater joy will we have than to know that our children walk in truth that our children stand for righteousness and the Lord their God. Cover them with your blood and keep them in perfect peace, O oh God. In the name of Jesus, we give you praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here for this Sunday school time, this special time. Why don't you take a few moments, greet this family, congratulate them as we transition unto our evening worship service.